But more importantly than all of that is where your Bible is. And so grab your Bible. If you don't have one or own one, there's one in the pew back in front of you. And turn to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 15, and give your attention to the reading of God's Word today. All right, Westside, John chapter 15. Our focus this morning will be the verses 1 through 11. If you're using that pewback Bible, it's page 999 in that pewback Bible. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Upon the conclusion of the reading of the text this morning, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and you can respond with thanks be to God. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does, does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, So have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're glad that you're here, and we have walked through our Advent season, and what we have now is we sort of stand on a precipice, and we look back upon the previous year in 2018 and look forward um, to 2019. And one of the things that I was thinking and praying about leading us into this new year, and that has quickly just grown and God has done a work in my heart, is um, what is coming up for us as a church in 2019. And for us as a church, as we walk through the series One and Many, we are only a church collectively as you are a part of the body of Christ individually. And so when I speak of what is coming ahead for us as a church in 2019, I'm speaking about you individually and what the Lord wants to do in your life. And one of the things I love to do at this time of the year, I love to read the newspapers and magazine articles, and they talk about the people who've passed away and all of the significant feats that have happened you know, the previous year. And one of the things that's become very popular over the last couple of years is people sort of claim a word. And it's a word that will summarize and guide them in hopes of the up and coming year. And this has become so popular that actually the Oxford English Dictionary um, each year does a review. 
And this is the standard sort of for the English language. And they use a word to sort of summarize um, the previous year. And what they say about it is the Oxford word of the year is a word or expression that is judged to reflect the ethos, mood, or preoccupations of the passing year and having lasting potential as a term of cultural significance. And so I'm just going to nerd out real heavy. I love, I like, I, I live in anticipation, like, what's the word going to be? What's the word? I don't have a life, okay? All right. I read books, okay? And so um, can anybody guess, like, could you guess what the word of the year was um, for, for 2018? Toxic. Oof, right? And so they talked about just from the political landscape and everything that sort of took place, the word was, was toxic. But, but here's a question for you. Um, if, if you had to summarize 2018, what would your word be? What would your word be? For some of us, it would be change, transition. For some of us, it would be pain, loss. Grief. There's a lot in, in one single word. And in the text that was just read to you, there is a word that Jesus uses to summarize his relationship with his disciples. And it's, it's a favorite word of Jesus and primarily a favorite word of John the Apostle who's writing this letter. And it's the word abide. John, in his writings, uses the word abide 50 times. And in the Gospel of John, he uses it 34 times. Now listen, we don't have to get, you don't have to have a degree to read the Bible. And we can put the jelly on the bottom shelf. And if somebody uses a word 34 times, um, they're probably trying to explain something to you. And so the, the word abide, when you study it and look at it, means to, to remain or to rest, to remain or, or to rest into. And, and, and it's a difficult word because it's, it's more than just that. And so one of the things that we're doing to, to guide you and, and to help you in 2019 and in this series is we've broken this word down for you. And so I'm a simple man. I like the jelly on the bottom shelf. I like words that rhyme. Um, I'm a student and product of the deep uh, music genre hip-hop. And so anything that rhymes or has a repetition to it. And so what we've done is we've sort of made an acronym for you to help you understand what does abide mean? And, and listen, here's, here's our prayer for you. My, my word for 2019 and, and my prayer for the word for Westside in 2019 is that we would abide, that we would abide in Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? And so what we're looking at is to break this down, abide with the A is first off to acknowledge where you're at. And the second thing is, is to bind yourself to Jesus then we need to inform ourselves of God's word. Then we need to devote ourselves to prayer. And then lastly, we need to enjoy obedience. And enjoy and obedience a lot of times don't, don't tend to go together, but we're going to get there. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to break this down. And if this is a word that Jesus uses to describe the relationship that we have with him, this needs to be the word to guide us. And this is the goal, this is my prayer for us as resolutions are coming and all of those type of things. This is my prayer and this is the understanding for this. That faithful abiding 
leads to abundant fruit. I think each and every one of us, as we're looking on the new year with a blank slate, we want to see the fruit of the relationship with Jesus Christ in our life. Many of us want the result of the relationship. But what we have to realize is the result of the relationship requires a response on our part. And what that is, is faithful abiding. And faithful abiding will lead to abundant fruit. Now, the metaphor that Jesus is using in this passage of the vine and the branches is um, a little bit different for us, per se, but everybody would have known what he was talking about. And maybe this, this will help. If I showed you a picture of, of this flag, um, what, what does that represent? America, baby. That's what that represents, right? Represents us, okay? But if I was even to get um, a little bit more symbolic and, and showed you a picture of, of this bird, what would that still represent in the same vein? Us, right? And so there's, there's symbolism that's going on that, that represents something. And so if you went somewhere else and, and showed a picture of that, that would not be someone's first response. That's just like what's going on in this passage. We have to understand about the vine and the branches, You see, the vine and the branches was sort of the national symbol for Israel, if you will. And so we actually even have coins from this area, um, this era, uh, and on the back of it, it shows the grapevine and the branches. And so we see all through the scriptures, particularly in Isaiah, when God says that that you are the fruit of of the vine. I'm the vine, and, and, and you're my offspring, if you will. And so what's going on is, is the relationship and the symbolism of what God is doing with the vine and the branches. And Jesus tells us, I am the vine and, and you are the branches. And, and my father is the vine dresser, okay? So, so he's broken all of this down, but there's still another thing that's happening in the context of the passage. When Jesus says, I am the vine there almost would have been sort of a gasp, if you will. And so you know what we like to do here at Westside. We like to have fun with the Bible, right? And so um, I'm going to say I am the vine, and I want you to gasp, okay? All right, can we have fun in church? We're going to participate today. If not, I'll preach angry. Are we good? Okay, all right. I am the vine. Yeah, good job. And you are the branches. The phrase I am comes from Exodus chapter 3. The phrase I am is the personal name of God that God gave Moses. You see, when Moses was going to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt, God sent Moses and said, go tell Pharaoh. Remember, let my people go. Remember that whole thing, right? The Charlton Heston and the staff and the cool thing, right? And Moses said, but how am I supposed to go? I I need to tell them who sent me. And, and God reveals a name, Yahweh. And it's difficult to translate, and it's so deep, and it's nuanced. And so I say that to say this. Oftentimes people argue, well, Jesus, you know, he never really said he was God or anything. That's wrong. That's just not a correct statement. Here Jesus is claiming to be God. And he says, I, I am the vine, and you, you are the branches. And so as we look at this abide and we look at the context 
of the vine and the branches and the fruit of the relationship that happens in our life, we're learning that faithful abiding leads to abundant fruit. Well, how do we abide and what do we do? Well, we're only going to do one point today, which by no means means the message will be short, okay? All right? But I'm just teasing, okay? The first thing that we do with the A and abide is we have to acknowledge where we are at. We have to acknowledge where we're at. Jesus describes um, a bunch of positions here, a branch that doesn't bear fruit, a branch that that does bear fruit, a branch that bears more fruit, and then later on in verse 8, a branch that bears sort of much fruit, if you will. But what I love about Jesus' teaching and, and how tender he is, is he acknowledges where we are. And so it's not this idea of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what season you're going through. I don't care blah, 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 any of that. Jesus wants us to acknowledge, hey, where are you at in life right now? Where are you at in in this journey? And maybe this will be helpful. So technology is a beautiful thing when it works, right? And sometimes it's not. But it's fascinating with our phones now that we can make a phone call, send a text message, check our email, update our Facebook status and GPS where we're going, all from one single device. It's incredible. But one of the things that you do when you go and plug in on your GPS, you plug in the destination first. But then your device sends back a message. And it says, where are you at now? I need your, your, your current location to get to your final destination. And the reason why we have to acknowledge where we are at is this. You can't know where you're going until you first admit where you are. You say, Jason, R- really? Really? That's, whoa, that's profound. Yeah, okay, listen. Oftentimes, I heard somebody say this this week, and, it, and it's just just slid in my DMs, if you will. It's just sat there on me. The thing that we need to see most in our life is oftentimes the thing that we're the most scared to look at. And so many of us have dreams and aspirations and plans and goals for 2019, but the only way that you can achieve those and get to those is you first have to acknowledge and you have to admit where you are. And that's going to be tough because we have to realize some of our own shortcomings. So what I'm teaching you right now is is sort of camouflaged in this idea of confession. Confession. And it's difficult for us in society because everything from social media, Instagram filters, and everything that we present to everyone is to show everyone not our shortcomings, but our strengths. And in reality, when you live a life only showing your strengths, you are exhausted. Exhausted. And there has to be a real moment when we acknowledge And this is where my family's at this year. This is where we are. This is where I'm at with my job. This is where I'm at with my marriage. This is where I'm at in my single life. This is is where I am. I'm not proud of it, but this is where I'm at. So we can't know where we're going in this relationship with Jesus until we acknowledge, hey, where's your relationship with Jesus now? What's the starting point? 
And then this idea of fruit. What, what is the fruit that he's talking about in this passage? Is it allegorical? What, what does this mean? Well, many of you who maybe grew up in church and did the Awanas and had the sash and the little hat and all that cool stuff, you're like, well, that's clearly the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Our group of preachers, kid, are you proud of that, right? <laughs> right? Well, it, yes, yes, um, I think that's there for sure. I think the fruit that Jesus is talking about in this passage is no less than the fruit of the Spirit. But, but I think it's more than that. Because, see, listen, many of us want God to do so much in our life and through us. God, use me. God, do that. God, in my family, in my marriage, and all of that. Okay, you have to acknowledge first where you are. But you have to understand what God is interested in. And God is much more interested in what he's doing in you than what he's going to do through you. Do you understand that? And so what is this fruit? I'm going to define the fruit this way. The fruit of the Christian life is the observable evidence of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about. If we call ourselves Christians many Christs, then the goal is to be like Jesus in my words, in my finances, in, in, in how I relate, in, in my relationships, and all of that. Am I progressing? Am I more and more? We sing the song day by day. Day by day, am I becoming more and more like Jesus Christ? Now, there's some words in that definition that you don't like. Observable evidence. You hate that. You know why? Because then you can measure it. Because then you can gauge it. Because what we do in Western Christianity is we say, well, my relationship with Jesus is my relationship, and it's personal, and it's private, okay? And if I need something, I'll say a prayer request or something like, I don't know why I always go into a southern woman when I do that. I don't don't know. It just happens, okay? And then when something happens in our life and people in our community groups or in our life start asking questions, well, well, is there grievous sin or is there any? Well, that's private and that's personal. Mm. But we never see that in the scriptures. Jesus is speaking about a relationship that has observable fruit, that it has evidence in that. And so I think we have to clarify And understand, because Jesus is speaking in sort of natural, organic terms. We Listen, you you don't have to go to Bible school to understand what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about how fruit grows. So, how does it grow? Well, let's think about how does fruit grow. The first thing is, slowly. If I planted an apple seed today, do I have apples tomorrow? No. Now, in the Christian life, there is immediate fruit of the the initial turning from sin and trusting in Christ. That's something that the Holy Spirit just supernaturally does in your life. Yes, there is immediate aspects of that. But listen, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit and growing more and more like Jesus every single day, man, some of us still smell like Saturday night. Was that too early? Am I not... I mean, 
I had a conversation this couple weeks ago with a very dear friend of mine whose father passed away. And his father was an alcoholic, abusive, and he, the, my friend was constantly shared the gospel with his dad and local pastor there constantly shared the gospel with Bill. And um, four years ago, on, on a Mother's Day, Bill walked the aisle and gave his life to Jesus Christ. It was incredible. And Bill started reading his Bible, but Bill had spent 60, almost 70 years as a non-Christian. And then Bill came down with cancer and suffered just tremendously for the past two years of his life. And my friend, we were at, right after the funeral, I mean, we're eating pie, and he began to weep and just said, man, I, I'm concerned because I don't know about just the fruit. Was the, the decision and the salvation that my dad committed to, man, I didn't see, you know, a lot of fruit in that. I just said, bro, bro. Your dad confessed that he was a sinner and trusted in Christ and then got hit with cancer and suffered for two years. I mean, if the fruit that you're talking about, did he go overseas and become a missionary and sell all of his possessions and give to the poor and do? No. But your dad read his Bible. So the little bit of fruit that you saw was enough. Because this thing is a slow process. And listen, in the day and age of Amazon Prime, hello. I mean, some of us like bought it and then checked our email to see if it was delivered. You just bought it, right? And it's still in Earth City. It's always in Earth City, isn't it? It's always right there. And so we live in a day and age of, listen, listen, instant gratification, which also, by the way, releases dopamines in your brain that's similar to drugs, And so we live in a culture to satisfy instant gratification. And the relationship with Jesus and to abide, it takes time. It's a slow process. Be assured in that. Take a deep breath. Fruit grows slowly, but then it also grows holy. Holy. So when it comes to like the fruit of the Spirit or something like that, what Jesus is talking about is it's We can't go, oh, man, the love and joy, I'm killing that. I'm totally growing in that area. I'm doing great. But the patience and self-control, I need to work on that in 2019. We can't view our walk with Christ that way. Because as we grow in joy and peace, we're growing in self-control and in gentleness and in faithfulness. And so we grow Holy, And we see this when it comes to grapes or apples or anything like that. If you have abnormal growth, if you have one grape on the vine that's the size of a softball or something like that, that's a problem. That's not healthy, right? So it grows slowly. It grows holy. And then this, it grows organically. It is the water. It is the sunshine. It is the dirt. It is all of that that it takes. And I tell you that to say this. There's not some special phase and season in your life when the kids get out of the diapers and then my work schedule changes and then whenever this shift and I get this and then we get out of this house and then we'll get the house with the thing and then we'll get the fence and then we'll get the dog and then we'll get the boat then we'll get the cabin down by the river and then and once we've got all that squared away then man then I'm going to abide right how's that going for you huh. You got there yet? Give me a call when you get there, okay? I'd love to meet you. That'd be great. 
God is using the ordinary moments in your life to produce fruit in your life. Tragedy, suffering, heartache, grief, joy, abundance. Organically, he's using the day-to-day process. Fruit grows slowly, wholly, organically, and then lastly this. You ready for this? Painfully. Painfully. Man, when you look at nature and you look at always for something to be born, do you know the germination process of a seed? Something dies. The germination process, when a seed goes into the ground, there's a death. In order to even get the seed, something had to have died. And listen, in 2019, for us to grow in this relationship with Christ, there are going to have to be some things that die, and it's going to be painful. But for anything to have lasting joy and abundance in your life, there will be pain. And our problem is, is that we want to go around it, find the shortcut, avoid the suffering, and then get to the result. And what Jesus is saying is, that's artificial fruit. That's, I can't work, I don't work that way. Because the good news of Christianity is that God wants to work in your suffering. You see, God doesn't just take us out of the suffering. He doesn't do that. He gives us a greater promise. He says, I'm I'm not going to take you out of it. I'm actually going to enter into it with you. I'm going to be in that with you. And so with your prodigal child, you think it's just about your child. It's not about your child. I'm doing something in you. It's not just about your spouse, and it's not just about your job, and it's not just about any of that. I'm doing something in you through that situation. And yes, it hurts, but I'm there, and my presence is much more powerful than any pain that you'll ever go through. That is how fruit grows. So how how do we acknowledge where we're at, right? Let's get really, really practical. How do I know? How can I gauge if it's observable, measurable fruit? How do I know where I am? And this is why I love the Bible, because Jesus tells us. Look in verses 2 through 5. Check this out. There are, if you will, baskets, okay, so um, let's, let's go with the metaphor that Jesus is using. A vine dresser, grapes, a vineyard. Back then, as you're picking the grapes off of the vine, you would have had baskets, right, to put those in and to take them back for the hall. If you will, there's, there's four primary baskets within the text that Jesus is talking about. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, okay, so basket number one has, has no fruit. He takes away that every branch that does bear fruit. Okay, so there's another basket with, with some fruit. He prunes that it may bear, bear more fruit. So there's another basket. And then verse 8, he ends it by saying the goal is much fruit. Okay, so four baskets. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. You're going to fall in one of those baskets. So today, we're able to acknowledge where we're at, to understand how to abide, because if we abide, faithful abiding leads to abundant fruit. We have to acknowledge where we are. And so let's look and see. The first basket is no fruit, and the result is repentance. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, 
highly debated verse, what does that mean? That he removes and takes that away? There's two ways that you can translate the verse, and they fall almost in a 50 percentile when you look at the rest of Scripture. Because what we learn here at Westside is we use the Bible to interpret the Bible. So what is this tense? And the word that he uses either means to remove or to lift up and to raise. So think about a vine dresser. If they are addressing a vine and the vine has lowered down, is now touching the ground where other weeds and things are growing, the vine dresser can lift that vine back up in order for that vine to grow. Or if that vine has decayed, that vine dresser removes that. And so regardless of where it falls, the application is the same. The first basket is a basket of warning. It's a basket of warning. And what Jesus is saying is, if you claim my name, and if you claim to have a relationship with me, and there is no observable evidence of that in your life, you need to be warned. And listen, this type of stuff is what keeps me up at night being a pastor. Because what we say fruit is, is coming here twice a month and then hanging out and singing the songs and then there is no joy for obedience in our life. There's no fruit of repentance in our life. There's no desire to know God's word in our life. There's no desire to reconcile broken relationships in our life. And we claim the name of Christ And listen, I'm I'm not trying to make you angry or do any of that, but the scriptures would say that you are not a Christian. That that, that you have believed a lie. And the, the result of that is to repent. And that means to to turn away. And that is very, very painful. Because in order to do that, you have to hit the reset button. And you have to say, I I don't. This is not where I am. And so listen, for the first basket, for some of us, we honestly need to look at our life and our relationships and in the heart of our hearts and say, do I desire to obey Christ? Like, are his commands optional for me? Do do I sense conviction in my life? All of those things are fruit. And if that basket has no fruit, the warning is... Repent and turn away from that because, listen, all change, all change happens with a crisis. All change happens with a crisis. And so for you to look at your life and to look at that, that serves as a warning. Basket number one, no fruit. The result is to repent. Basket number two is this, some fruit, some fruit. The application is to reorganize. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now here it is. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He prunes. This is something that in the Christian life, nobody ever talks about. But the scriptures talk about it all the time. And this pruning, I would send you to a reference of Hebrews chapter 12 is the understanding of of the discipline of God, right? No worship songs written about the discipline of God, right? Lead me in where your love and your trust is without borders. Woo! Reckless love. Woo! You love me. 
I'm going to spank the fire out of you. What? What? No, God loves me, right? Listen, one preacher puts it this way. God's love is not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love, okay? God doesn't view you as little Johnny that needs another cupcake and a star by your name because you're awesome. Okay, the gospel is, is that you failed and in your failure, God still pursued you out of his awesomeness, not yours. And so in the pruning of a vine dresser with dead branches, dead leaves and all of that, a vine dresser would cut away the dead in order for life to grow. And all of us, all Christians are getting pruned. There's there's no way around this. This is the way that God works. And so the understanding is rearranging the vine, setting it up, cutting things away that that don't matter. It's to reorganize. And so maybe um so on on our devices at home, the you know, iPads and iPhones are all sort of synced together. And so like when my kid downloads a, an app, it miraculously through like witchcraft shows up on my phone, okay, right? And one of the things that I constantly have to do when I go to my phone is I'm like, what is, like, hello neighbor, what is that, right? I don't even know what's going on. And so one of the things I always have to do is they have their own little folders and tabs on our phone and I have to press that app and then it shakes in fear as if I'm going to delete it or not, right? (laughs) Oh, am I going away, ah, and then I rearrange that and slide that over because I don't, listen, listen, I don't want that on my homepage, right? And those of you psychos who have like seven or eight pages that you slide on your phone need counseling, okay, right? I got to have that stuff organized and all of that, okay? Listen, Jesus does not desire to be a part of your list. He is your list. He's your homepage, if you will, the focal point, the center. You don't balance Jesus and work. You don't balance the family and church and community group and how do I. And then my finances is I'm going to pay this and then whatever's left over here, then out. That's not how it works. The pruning process is to reorganize and reprioritize to keep him at the center. And when that's happening, fruit will naturally come because faithful abiding leads to abundant fruit. Basket number one is no fruit. The goal is to repent. Basket number two is is some fruit and we need to reorganize. Basket um, number three is more fruit. And the application is to release. Look, it still comes from the same process. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. What's the result from the pruning? That it may bear more fruit. So even keeping with the idea of pruning, pruning and the discipline of the Lord is what's separating these baskets and your relationship with him in your life and the evidence of that. And what he is saying here is even though that you're still getting pruned and you're producing fruit in your life and there's health in your marriage and with your kids and there's peace and the calmness of the Lord and the desiring for obedience and all of that is being produced in your life, God's still going to keep working. And one of the things that becomes so fearful for us is that we always equate growth 
with health? Well, if it's growing, it's got to be healthy, right? So, I, I mean, I'm a pastor. I hang out with other pastors, and we talk, and all that stuff, and it's size and numbers and all of that type of stuff because in the Christian world, it's growth automatically determines health, and things are going well. Oh, man. And Jesus just completely changes and says, no, just because there's growth doesn't mean that this process is done. And maybe this will help. Do you know the name Robert Wadlow from Alton, Illinois? The tallest man recordedly that has ever lived. Robert, when he passed away, measured in at a whopping 8 feet 11 inches. Almost 9 feet. Incredible. I mean, watching him getting into a car and doing all of this stuff is unbelievable. But they knew something was different with Robert um, by the time he was seven years old. Because when Robert was seven years old, he was six foot four. Right? I mean, goodness. I mean, talk about eat you out of house and home, man. That's goodness. Buying pants every Tuesday or something. Like, (laughs) golly, that would be unbelievable, man. Seven years old, right? And when Robert passed away, um, his body was sort of donated to science, and they found a a tumor in Robert's brain next to the pituitary gland. And that tumor pressed up against the pituitary gland, producing um, the human growth hormones, which made him, by seven years old, be, be that tall. Question. Being six foot four at seven, is that healthy? Why? That's too fast. That's, that's not healthy. See, look, look up here, don't miss this. A tumor is a growth, but it's not healthy. That's what Jesus is talking about here, even in much fruit. Even in more fruit, this idea that just because there's growth in your life doesn't mean that it's good. And listen, this this is a word for us as a church. There's been some supernatural things that have happened via Westside and our story in five years and, and all of that. But I believe in my soul and in my bones that what God is going to be doing for us is, listen, here, here's what I'm into. I'm not into a quantity, quantity of people, all right? I'm not into a quantity of people. Bunch of people in a room, bunch of people at Easter, bunch of, awesome, cool. I'm not into a quantity. I'm into a quality, a quality of people. And the last thing that Popper Bluff needs is another church that just wants to go out and gather people and fill rooms and build buildings and do all of that, and there's no fruit, and they die and go to hell. That's not what I'm into. I'm into a quality of relationship. And we still need to check our relationship. And just because things are growing doesn't mean that that's healthy. And I studied this week and realized in in ancient times when Jesus is teaching, one of the things that a vine dresser would do, if a cluster of grapes was growing more rapidly than another cluster of grapes attached to the vine the vine dresser would pinch at the stem of the grapes that were growing faster, pinch it. 
in order to slow the process so everything else would grow holy. Now, this is a word for some of you because some of you have hit the ground running, radical change in your life, all types of stuff, and now you're getting into a season of pruning through your circumstances and all of that, and here's what you're thinking. Oh, no, I've lost it. Things aren't good now. Things aren't healthy. I'm having to reorganize. I'm having to do all of this. And listen, what God is teaching you is every day of our life, we surrender. Every day. Every day. And God is teaching us that there are still areas in your life that you have not released to me. And listen, that's okay. That, there should be joy in that. It's okay. Because this is a slow, painful process. And listen, do you know when we arrive? Do you know when we arrive? For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work unto you will bring it to completion unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two options unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You die and go to Jesus because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, or Jesus comes back. That's when you arrive. So if there's still breath in your lungs, you are a fantastic, beautiful mess work in progress. And that's okay. But then the last basket that Jesus shows is so beautiful. So there's no fruit, there's some fruit, there's more fruit, and we're still having to release and surrender. But the last basket is much fruit. And you know what the application of that is? It's to rest and to enjoy it. Because look in verse 8. Here's the goal. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Here's what Jesus is saying the whole goal is. Here's what the goal is, is that God wants to do awesome stuff in your life and that God wants you to have much fruit and joy and love and peace that surpasses all understanding, all of that. Listen, God's not out to get you. There's not like this tally sheet, man. And on Tuesday, you nailed it because you had the quiet time and went to the gym and did Walmart pickup and had quiet time with your kids. I mean, you were like, I could die and go to heaven now. This, I'm killing it. Wednesday, somebody cut you off in traffic. You cussed, right? Oh, y'all don't cuss? Y'all don't write? Like, <laughs> thought we were being honest in here today. And then you think, here's what you think. God really loved me Tuesday. But today is ashamed of me. No. No. That's not true. For I am confident of this very thing. That nothing, that neither death, nor life, nor nakedness, nor famine, nor angels, nor demons, nor persecution, that nothing in all of the world can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. Listen, if it was your good works and your good behavior and your performance that earned God's love for you, then on the days that you fail, you have disearned God's love for you. But if we are saved by grace through faith and you didn't earn it, then how can you unearn it? This is the much fruit, the rest, and the joy that Jesus wants for you. By this, my Father is glorified. That God 
is magnified. Listen, this is going to blow your mind. That God is magnified in the world. That the world knows God exists when your life bears much fruit. That's what God wants to do with you. And so my prayer for us as a church is that Westside will only grow corporately as each one of its members grow individually. We are all grapes connected to the vine. And God is doing something in us. And so in 2019, attendance and all that, that's, that's cool. The Bible kept attendance, Acts 2, you know, 2000. That's awesome. That's great. Do you love your wife more today than you did yesterday? Do you, do you love Christ? Do you, do you weep at the fact that you'll see Jesus? Like I'll see him, man. I'll physically see him. And he will hug me. And a thousand years isn't enough time. Does that do something to you? Because listen, if that's what gets you out of bed in the morning, then we're going to go places. Then God is going to do something. And I believe God can change Popper Bluff. I believe that he can change Southeast Missouri. I believe that he can change the world when individual people are bearing much fruit in their lives. Because faithful abiding, it leads to abundant fruit. And so as they come and lead us in a time of response, what basket are you in? That's the result today. That's the question. Where are you? Because listen, you can't know where you're going in 2019 unless you understand where you're at today. And what we say, we borrowed this phrase from another church. It's okay to not be okay. You know that? It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Because yes, Jesus meets us where we are, and we sing about that all the time. He found me, though I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Jesus meets us where we are, but he never leaves us there. Never. He moves us beyond. So Westside, I would have you stand on your feet right where you're at. I want us to read a corporate prayer out loud together. And I pray that this prayer would be your prayer for the upcoming year to understand that faithful abiding leads to abundant fruit. The words are on the screen. Lift your voice and read out loud with me. Grant us, O Lord my God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and as we come to the table and partake in the fruit of the vine, blood shed and the body broken I pray today that your grace would be so overwhelming for us that for some of us we need to hear the warning because it's a warning of a father who loves his children and the sun rose and that there's breath in our lungs because you love us and you're warning your children there's no fruit please turn back to me turn away from that and come to me it is the goodness and kindness of God our father that leads us to repentance God, I pray that that your Holy Spirit would just do something 
God, I pray for those of us who are going through a season of pruning, that that's okay, that it's good, that you're doing something in our life. We haven't failed, but the cutting away of what's dead to produce life is a sign of your grace. And God, I pray that the motivation of the basket of much fruit, that's the goal, that you want that in us, and that your love and your grace and mercy is what will produce that. So Holy Spirit, have your way with us today as we simply answer this question. Where am I? Where am I in my relationship with you, Jesus? Where am I at in my marriage, in my finances, in my relationships? Where am I? Because you meet us where we are, but you never leave us there. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have four communion tables set up here on the sides. You can come down the center aisle if you're a follower of Christ and partake in the fruit of the vine today.